0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you were inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. good to be with you all once more, and such a beautiful, beautiful day outside, and uh, I agree, I love, I love fall, um, I love when the, the leaves begin to change, and uh, the coolness, I love the coolness of the nights, and the briskness of the mornings, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful time of year, and uh, what a beautiful time. Uh, to celebrate his goodness as we see his faithfulness over and over in the seasons. All righty, if you would take your Bibles this morning and open them up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. And as you are making your way there, we are going to be at verse number 13 beginning at verse number 13. So if you'd make your way to Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse uh, 13. And uh, just want to, uh, just by way of explanation, kind of let you know where, where I'm planning to head in the next couple of weeks, uh, or in the near future as we, in way of messages. Uh, today we are wrapping up this series entitled Blessed, Broken, and Given. And uh, next week, Lord willing, I uh, plan to begin a series uh, around the uh, idea or the, the subject of Nehemiah. I believe that's a, a wonderful, wonderful aspect and story to look about, uh, to look at and uh, consider about uh, the reality of how we can change our world in 52 days. And uh, after that, if the Lord is willing, And uh, we uh, continue on, Uh, going to be looking at a series of gratitude. Uh, And it's in the Thanksgiving season. I know that it's a little early to think about Thanksgiving, but uh, um, during the Thanksgiving season, it is always good to think about gratitude, as it is um, throughout the rest of the year as well. But especially at that time of year, it is good to to contemplate the reality and many of the aspects of thanksgiving. This series, however, that we're finishing today, Blessed, Broken, and Given, is about seeing our lives as bread, as bread that Jesus takes into his hands, that he blesses, that he breaks, and that he gives for the life of the world. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about How difficult at times it is, and it can be, uh, to imagine our ordinary, common, run-of-the-mill, routine lives actually being blessed and sacred and holy, but they truly are. They truly are. You and I are blessed. And we recently explored about how our sin and the suffering that we endure at times makes it feel like our brokenness disqualifies us from any of the blessings that that we have and, and disqualifies us, quite honestly, from having anything to offer. After all, the world needs something that I don't think that I have. But the reality is, the exact opposite is true. Yet, when we surrender our story, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we are blessed. We are blessed by having our identity, our true identity, who we really, really are, recovered and restored in our brokenness, the brokenness that each of us, unfortunately, experience at times. It becomes a pathway of openness to God's grace. But there's one more aspect that I want to talk about this week, this week I want to want to talk to you about uh, the last word of that phrase given given uh, and you may say well it was a little bit difficult to realize that that I truly am blessed but I understand that I truly am and and yes I can feel broken at times and I understand that that might be a pathway for the Lord's grace to to infill my life but when you talk about given the reality is um, I don't know that I feel like I have anything to give. Maybe you think purpose is connected to value. If you are just an ordinary Christian, is there anything really that you possess to give away from your life? And the reality is, yes, each of us have purpose. We have value, but we also have something to give to others. In Luke chapter 24, beginning at uh, verse 13 this morning, this is a very familiar story, and this is the third of the uh, accounts where Jesus takes bread, breaks it, and, or blesses it, and breaks it. Uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse number 13. And if you are able, would you please rise for the reading of the word this morning? (coughs) Excuse me. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he, Jesus, said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, What thing?" And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened, Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near near to the village they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So Jesus went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Father, we thank you for the reality that you are given to the world and that our lives, though they may seem as ordinary as common bread, are truly blessed by you. They truly are, uh, through uh, sin and suffering and other ways, are broken. But that brokenness, Father, leads to an openness that allows your grace to infill us. And we thank you, Father, today that we, our lives, are given so that others can know of the grace that we have enjoyed for so long. We thank you for your word, and we pray that everything that is said and done in the remainder of our time together would bring you and you alone honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. This is the third blessed, broken, and given story in Luke's gospel. The third time that Jesus takes bread into his hand, hands, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it. This is a moment of mission. This is Jesus blessing bread to open the eyes of people who are disillusioned and downcast. In a way, this is a story that shows that being blessed, broken, and given, is for the sake of the world and not just for ourselves and not even just for our church. So what does it mean to be given? And there could be several layers to this, but I just want to highlight two areas for you this morning. First of all, to be given is to be spent completely, exhausted, to be spent out of love for Jesus. And to give a a vital, vibrant illustration of this, consider the life of the Apostle Peter, the one who at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, through uh, input from the Holy Spirit, declared that Jesus himself was the Messiah. That same Peter who, at the time that Jesus was going before the many trials and at the time of his crucifixion, denied Jesus three times and no doubt thought to himself that he himself was disqualified. The same Peter, the same Peter, was going to be, little but unknown to him at the time, was going to live a life that was going to be spent for Jesus out of love for him. In John chapter 21, and you don't have to turn there this morning, we read these words in uh, chapter 21, verse 15. It says that when they had finished breakfast, now this is after the resurrection, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lamb. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. After the resurrection, Peter Returned to his fishing vocation. Think about it. Peter, the one along with the other disciple who ran to the tomb, he saw that it was empty. He was most likely with the other disciples when Jesus appeared in that upper room to them, during which he invited Thomas to place his hands on his scars. And yet, all of that, he still went back to his old livelihood. Perhaps Peter had felt that he had lost it all that night when he denied knowing Jesus. Maybe Peter was just too confused about what the resurrection really meant. Maybe whatever it meant, Peter was too covered in shame for it to matter. He might as well try to just... Go back and live a quiet life, a smaller, ordinary story. But John describes how Jesus found Peter and reenacted the first scene, the scene of their first encounter. The first time Jesus called Peter to follow him. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat, the voice called out from the shore. Peter knew he had heard that voice before. Have you ever been in that situation where you've either heard someone speak or you see someone out in public and you're like, I know that person. They look so familiar. But you dare not go up to them because you're not totally sure. Peter knew that voice. That voice was familiar to him. But it was John who recognized him. It is the Lord, he cries out. It might have been John who first recognized Jesus, but it was Peter that responded, and responded radically. Peter threw on his robes and swam the shore, leaving the other disciples to drag the fish, a not, not just a little catch, a big haul of fish behind the boat to shore. There has been much exploration of the nuances and the and the shifts in the word choices between Jesus and his disciple Peter here in this passage from, from John that I read. But the main point, and I don't want you to miss, miss this, the main point was Jesus, in a very real way, was reinstating Peter to the mission that he had beforehand. He was reaffirming Peter's purpose. He was reaffirming Peter's calling and his destiny. The three repetitions of the question are meant to correspond to Peter's threefold denial. Just as Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus asked this question lovingly three times. The most significant bit, however, is the one hidden in plain sight. In this restorative, call-renewing conversation, Jesus asked Peter simply, repetitively, and even piercingly, Do you love me? Not, do you love the sheep? Not, do you love the food? i meaning his teachings. Not, do you love yourself? Not, do you love your purpose and mission? The question was simply for Peter as it is for you and me today in 2022. Do you love me? Jesus is asking that of his church and of his people again and again and again. Do you love me? In the other gospel accounts of Peter's first call, Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You might say that the first call was about a purpose. In essence, Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to lift you up from a life that is going nowhere. I'll sweep you up into the greatest story of all, give you a role in the kingdom of God arriving on earth as it is in heaven, I will make you a participant and not just a recipient. That is, after all, what it means to be given. But it isn't the love of being given that leads to our givenness. It isn't the love of a purpose that can sustain us. In the end that was not enough for Peter to remain faithful. Do you think, perhaps, that while he was warming himself by the fire and and those individuals and the the one that says that uh, scholars believe that this was like a young girl, a middle school girl, hey, we know you, you were with him. In those moments, Peter thought, this is Jesus the one who called me to be a fisher of men. In the end, it was not enough, though, to keep Peter faithful. The love of a calling will never keep you from falling. If Peter's first call on the shore was about a purpose, the second call, the renewal call, is about destiny and identity. And it's about a person Let me ask you this morning, just as Jesus asked Peter on that shore following the resurrection, do you love Jesus? Now let me me qualify it. Do you love Jesus above all else? Lesser loves may lead you to begin following Jesus or even to enter into ministry aspects, but they cannot sustain you. The love of meaning or mission or purpose or the church will not keep you surrendering and serving. Only a deep and abiding love for Jesus can do that. It is our love for Jesus that leads us to daily surrender to him. And it is Jesus who gives us away way for others. We surrender out of love for him. And when we surrender, we find ourselves not needing to be beggars any longer. Our surrender makes us bread in the hands of Jesus. He sends us and spends us because of his love for us and for the world. I I know more often, or I know without a shadow of a doubt that you know this. But the reality is, is that you will not come into contact. You will not come eye to eye today, tomorrow, five years down the road with anyone that Jesus does not love. He loves us all. And the sending is sweeter than you could have ever imagined or dreamed. This is how we become given for the life of the world. We are blessed, we are broken, and we are given for a world that is lost, that is broken, that is dying spiritually, that is becoming darker and darker and darker every day. As his disciples, as his ambassadors, as his vessels, as his representatives, it is us who is who have been tasked with taking the good news of the gospel to a world that desperately need, needs it. You see, the world outside knows they need something. They just don't know what it is. But the good news is, is that we know the answer. We know the answer. We know the answer to a half-hearted, purposeless life. We know the answer to finding meaning in in addictive substances. We know the answer uh, to many of the social ills of the day. We know the answer, and his name is Jesus. Secondly, to be given is to live for the life of the world. Back to the passage that we read this morning of these two disciples on their way back to Emmaus, If not among the twelve, then they were among the many. They hung their heads and they hid their tears, unable to quench the fire of their disappointment. They turned on each other, arguing and debating about the Messiah. And at that moment, it says there in Luke 24, 15, Jesus himself shows up on the scene and joined them on their journey. You see, Jesus joined the disappointed and the disillusioned in their journey. Notice what Jesus didn't say in this passage of Scripture. Jesus didn't say, come over here, or come to me, or come follow me. No, that was all well and fine the first time, but not this time. Not when faith had been shattered, when hopes had been broken. No, when we are too weak, too broken to come to Jesus He comes to us. And he himself joins us on the journey. We need to listen and to learn and then enter into places of pain in our communities. Our communities, this community, outside of these walls are just like these two disciples. They are broken. They are disillusioned. They are devastated. Their lives in many, many instances have been shattered and they are looking for an answer. And it is incumbent upon the church of Jesus Christ to come outside of her walls and go to these people and come alongside of them and, and to wrap an arm around them. That is what being the church is all about. Like Jesus coming alongside these delusioned disciples, uh, disillusioned disciples, we need to walk gently into the spaces where the de-church and the post-Christians have gone. We must have courage. We must have faith to get outside of the walls. In an age where belief is contested and even mocked, When religion is a private matter with a little bearing on real life, the church of Jesus Christ needs to recover the art of radical hospitality. But this is a kind of hospitality that is more than making our spaces, our sanctuaries ready for others. And that's important. It's a kind of hospitality that we exhibit by showing up in someone else's space with a posture of openness. As the church of Jesus Christ, we have to offer radical hospitality. Like Jesus acting, I don't know if you catch this in this particular passage of Scripture, and it might be uh, a little beyond us here in, in the Western culture. Jesus acting as a host of a meal that was not his. That is a big custom during this time. The host of the meal was the one who provided the blessing. But in this particular case, Jesus, who was not the host, blessed the meal. We can find a way to reach out to those in the world and stand in the midst of their questions and of their pain and their disappointments and their fear. We can take bread, the bread of life, Bless it, break it, and give it to them. The gospel, the hope that we have, the purpose that we know. We ourselves can become the bread that is blessed, broken, and given for them, for their lives, and even for the life of the world. You see, at the the heart of the gospel, the heart of the gospel is grace. And it is a grace that is gift-provoking. God is gracious. He gives us good gifts, even to those who don't deserve it. And those who receive God's good gifts are to return them upward in praise, just like we did earlier this morning. We return his gifts upward in praise. But unfortunately, that's where most of the Church of Jesus Christ stops. That's where we end. But there's more. We turn them upward in praise, but we are also to turn them outward in service. We are not saved from our sins with the hope of heaven to simply occupy a seat in a building and wait until Jesus returns. You and I have a mission. You and I have a purpose, and we are meant to be given so that others can hear and know and experience the grace that we know. But unfortunately, especially in Western culture, the church of Jesus Christ has taken this grace for granted, and we see the results of it. Or just like the reality is that giving begets giving, Or as Jesus plainly says in the Gospel of Matthew, freely you have received, freely give. The givenness of Jesus, the bread of life, makes our givenness as the church, the body of Christ, possible. And so the church, the church, that community formed by the givenness of Christ comes to be a people who are given for one another and for the sake of the world, You are not your own. We are to be given so that people in this neighborhood and in this community know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God that loves them. There is a God who cares for them. The generosity of God is meant to form a generous community. The great gift of God makes us a people who give. So, in view of God's mercy, let me ask you a a penetrating, pointed, and unapologetic question this morning. Will you offer yourself in service to him today? Will you let Jesus, just as he recommissioned Peter on that seashore, and we know the reality that Peter, and not too many days after that, stood and preached the first sermon on Pentecost. Will you let Jesus send you into the world that is broken, that is dark, that is dying, that is uncomfortable, a world where they don't look like us, where they don't dress like us, where they don't talk like us, where they don't act like us, and allow you to go into that world as his representative, as his light bearer, just as Father sent him, Jesus, into the world. Will you ask Jesus to give you for the life of the world? You know, Jesus... He's described in the the Gospels as the bread of life. Our lives are bread. Throughout uh, these three uh, instances in the Gospel of Luke, and I don't think it's by coincidence, by any stretch of of the imagination, Luke, over and over and over these three occasions, talks about the reality of bread being broken and blessed and, and given out. The truth is is that that is our life, that is your life, that is my life as a believer in Jesus Christ. We are blessed, but our blessing isn't just for ourselves. Our blessing oftentimes leads to a brokenness that only he can heal. As we talked last week about uh, the the gold that is filled into the, the pottery that makes it more aesthetically pleasing and valuable than it was before. That's our lives. But it doesn't stop there. Although the church, especially in the United States of America, has deemed it to stop there. We don't go out and we don't want to go out into the world. We don't want to go out into our neighborhood because because they're filled with those people. (laughs) They're filled with those people. This may be offensive, and and it might be. But the reality is, we, at one point in time or another, we all were those people. But someone, somewhere along the way, took the risk and bared the gospel to us. And we are called to do the very same thing. We are called to go beyond the walls of the church, a world that needs us. The world needs us. Jesus himself says that that he is the bread of life. And I'm so thankful for that. And in his life, he was broken. He was broken. He was blessed by God the Father, enjoying enjoying co-union with God the Father and and God the Holy Spirit, being sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, until he took on the form of, of humanity. He was broken on a cruel Roman cross for you and for me. And his body that was given for us and his blood that was shed for us so that not only can we know the reality of sins forgiven and aren't you glad today that Jesus looks at you that like you've never ever sinned I am I have a pretty long list I'm not going to tell you what they are because if he forgets them then you don't need to know them (laughs) and the same is true for you The reality is is that he forgives us. And the blood that was shed for washes us clean and gives us the hope of heaven one day. But while we are waiting for one day, there is a mission to accomplish today. And I'm so thankful that in in the wonderful uh, symbolism of communion, we see before us in stark reality the, the bread and the cup, Jesus' blood and body broken and shed for us, so that, yes, we might know and celebrate the reality that our sins are forgiven, and now one day he's coming back to take us home. But also it serves as, as a reminder that while we are still here inhabiting this planet, that there is a mission and a purpose for us to accomplish. I can say without any doubt, without um, without any thinking about it, you still have a purpose on this planet. And you may ask how I know that. Well, the reality, I know that for absolutely sure because you're still here. If you weren't needing anything to do on this planet you would not be here. You and I would be in heaven already. While we are here, we have a mission. And we celebrate. We celebrate the Lord and his death and the aspect of communion, but we also celebrate the reality that we have a mission. We have a mission. Uh, And at this time, we are going to partake in this wonderful uh, sacrament of communion. And at this time, I'm going to uh, ask our ushers back there to uh, prepare and to uh, begin to distribute the elements this morning. And I want to read something as they, are, as they are doing that. And uh, you can, gentlemen, please begin to distribute. Please take the bread and the cup and uh, please hold on to it. Uh, so that we all can partake together. And as they are making their way and distributing the elements, the Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and the wine, emblems of his broken body and his shed blood. This, this morning, is his table. The feast is for his disciples Let all those who with true repentance have forsaken their sins, have believed in Jesus Christ unto salvation, draw near. Take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember, brothers and sisters, that this is a memorial of the death and passion of our Lord, but it is also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one, at one table with the Lord. As you are receiving the elements this morning, know that the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Communion is such such a wonderful, sacred time where we Take the opportunity to to reflect to reflect to have a time of introspection to make sure that our spiritual accounts are up to date with the Lord and as the uh, servers are uh, distributing the elements I would encourage you to do just that take moments as we partake this morning Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that in your great mercy and grace you gave Jesus Christ to suffer death upon that cruel Roman cross, the cross of Calvary, for our redemption. We pray that you would give to us as we receive these elements this morning, that symbolically we are reminded that this is the Lord, and in remembrance of his passion and death, may we take part of the benefits of his atoning sacrifice. We thank you today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are reminded that in the same night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and then when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. May we come today and true humility and faith as we partake in this time of communion. You hold before you the cup that contains the bread, the bread that is symbolic of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you to preserve you blameless on everlasting life. Take and eat this morning in remembrance that Christ died for you. Take and eat. You also hold uh, before you the cup of the juice, uh, symbolic of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Take and drink this morning. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, your son. I pray today, Father, that that we would be reminded that we have been blessed. Yes, Father, we've been broken. But in our brokenness, we are open to a grace that we may not have experienced beforehand. And, Father, that we are given for a world that desperately needs to hear from you. I pray, Father, this morning that as we've received these elements, that you have blessed us in a very real way. And as we go from this place here in just a few moments, that, that you would continue to bless us with your presence. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray.